Hey, Wellness Warriors, welcome back to the show. This is What Makes Me Well, and I'm your host, Asada Jones. Each episode, I sit down with a special guest to discover what they do to maintain their well-being. This week, Warriors, I'm bringing you an episode very dear to me because I sat down with my friend, mi amiga, Gary Luis Torres. Gary, or Carrie, as I sometimes call her, is the co-founder of the up-and-coming movement collective, Flow Space Orlando, and she's the former owner of Lotus Fitness Studio. I wanted to bring Carrie on to talk about the transition that 2020 brought her within her occupational pillar, and I wanted to see how she maintained her well-being through it all. But before we start that interview, I need to send some love to my wellness warriors over on Patreon. Shout out to Kristen, Nadia, and Sophia. Ladies, thank you so much for being top tier patrons. I really appreciate you. Listeners, if you're not on Patreon yet, you are missing out. When you become an official wellness warrior and join the Patreon, you get access to yoga classes, guided meditations, weekly OM meditation prompts, and the bonus podcast that my husband and I host, At Home with the Joneses. Which, listeners, episode one is available to you on the public podcast feed, and a preview of episode two was dropped last week. So check it out and join me over on Patreon if you want to listen to more episodes and get more tools to add to your wellness toolbox. All right, Warriors, without further ado, here's my interview with mi amiga, Gary Luz Torres. Hey, Carrie. Hi, Asada. Thanks for being here. I'm happy to be here. Oh, my God. It's so good to see you. Same. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I want you to tell the audience how we've come to know each other. So we met probably back in 2015, right? The beginning of 2015? Yeah. Yes, because that's when I was transitioning to downtown with the studio. And I was transitioning from... Yes, yes. I remember you were like, I've got these girls and I'm going to teach my class. And I was like, okay, we've got a studio and we've got poles. Come on. I was like, I need a place to put my people help. Exactly. I was like, okay, come on. Like, this is when it's open and available and you just jumped right in. So that's how we met. And then we continued our relationship because I moved the studio downtown and there was an opportunity to bring in new instructors. And I definitely liked you from the beginning. Otherwise, I wouldn't have said, here, come use my studio. <laughs> so You know, I was so blown, like in our first meeting, and I don't know if I've ever told you this, how well, but in our first meeting, I was like, oh my God, this woman is like so nice. She's so open and like, I feel like so connected to her. I don't know why, but I just like felt immediately like, oh, she's good people, awesome great like I yeah. didn't even have to think about it yeah it's crazy I, I felt the same way so I think that when the opportunity came up that I had openings for more instructors I was like I really want Asada to come in and work with me so it wasn't just you renting space yeah and it worked out and you know we had a, re- a working relationship for what, five years I think I, I know say. yeah and here we are as friends now I know I love amigas, it amigas amigas <laughs> yeah I love I really like um, I was a little, I don't know why I was like kind of nervous. I was like, oh, I feel so protective, like not mm-hmm. nervous, like what you're going to say or what we're going to talk about. I was just like nervous about like you and our friendships. I was like, oh, I want my listeners to love her. And I like, I mean, I know they are, but it's just, I, mean, I don't care if they do or not. So. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> She's really off. She real. That's why I love her. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for being here, Carrie. Okay. So um, so the listeners are aware we are recording this in the middle of January of 2021. We haven't seen each other in a very long time. How have right. you been? How's it going? 
How have you been holding up? Yeah, I don't think we've seen each other since before the holidays. Yes. The Rona, you know, it's a motherfucker. I think we're all in the same <laughs> boat and each of us is affected by it differently. But we're holding up. You know, we're getting yeah. through, we're getting by. Um Definitely difficult because I think that not having certain things that we're used to jumping to, whether it's like studios that we used to take classes from, our circle of friends that we used to socialize with, having all of that like um, taken away or really like um, limited limited yeah. has been difficult, right? Because that's definitely part of what we or I myself used to use to keep myself well, right? Yes. And then not really realizing that it's playing that role because it was just like an everyday thing. Mm-hmm. So having to have limited access to all that is definitely difficult yeah. and has forced me to find other ways to keep myself sane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. Um, all right, so before we get into that, I like to do the highlights of the week and what we did this week to be well. So okay. what was your highlight of the week? Of the week? Uh, going out with my friends on Friday night, actually, to celebrate. Oh, Saturday, to celebrate her birthday. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Where'd you guys go? We went to Kabuki Sushi, which I had never been to. What? Oh, they my God. They just redid it. Oh. I had never been to it, so it was a completely new experience Delicious. for me. Isn't it was so good. So good. So celebrating a friend's birthday, that's where we picked, and it was delicious. So that was the highlight of, one of the highlights of my week last week. Nice, nice. What do you do this week to be well? Um, A lot of yoga this week. I needed it. You know, I needed the grounding, the meditation part of it, the asanas. I needed it all. Yeah. So I found myself... I mean, I can't see why there's like literally nothing going on in the world that would need us to do more yoga. Just kidding. It's terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I definitely took more classes and did more home practice this week. That's good. I got to say, I'm just happy that your yoga practice has developed so much. It's like... It's like a personal victory. Like it is. Like I know it's. I'm making it about me. <laughs> Surprise. Um, it's but, your podcast. It's okay. You know, <laughs> but no, I'm just like so. I'm just very, very proud of you. Like I'm just happy that it's become such a part, a big part of your life because I know how much it's like helped me. Mm-hmm. And it's yoga is kind of like the best thing ever. So For real, it really is. Yeah. It's funny because a year ago today was when I started my yoga teacher training. Oh my god! So happy um, anniversary. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's one of the best things I've done for myself. Yeah. For real. Yeah. What did you, like, what was the biggest thing that, you know, what was like the come to Jesus moment of the yoga practice or the yoga teacher training? I think it was just, I don't know if there was like one big moment. I think it was going into it, I knew that it was going to be a lot of soul searching. Mm-hmm. And my ultimate goal was not to teach, right? So I didn't go into it with this mindset of like, oh, let me get all these skills and like put them into practice so that I could be a teacher. For me, it was part of, my spiritual journey, my growth, because I knew that this was going to force me to do things that I probably wouldn't have done on my own. Yeah. So definitely that was, I guess, my biggest takeaway or or my biggest um, aha realization moment, I guess, if you want to say, just having to do the work and really go inside and facing things that I wouldn't have faced on my own. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes it, for some reason, it makes it less scary when you're going through it with, like, other people. Yes, for sure. Because we had, like, every time that we met, we met, I want to say, some months it was once a month for, like, the full weekend, and Mm -hmm. some months it was twice. There was always that clearing uh, opportunity in the beginning. And it's, it's good to see other people 
also having the same experience because you don't feel like, well, I'm the only one that's fucked up, first of all, right? Right. And then collectively, you have people to support you. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Carrie, let's get into the conversation. Um, okay. I wanted to bring you onto the podcast because I wanted to talk about transitioning mm-hmm. and transitioning from one place in your life and one place in your business or career into another. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going through uh, some transition changes, but you are going through huge transitions on a much larger scale with a family no less. So let's dive in and let's talk about that. Um, my first question to you is, at this point, what is your recipe for your well-being? I don't know if there's like a solid recipe, but movement is a big part of my wellness, right? And right now that's taking, it's kind of shaping more into yoga. Um, you and I met through pole, so I still do pole. I haven't been in a pole studio to take a class since August, um, but I still move around the pole. Like I still go to the studio every now and then. I have a pole at home. Um, and I'm not going to say that I'm not passionate about it, but I think what's drawing me more right now is the yoga, like I told you, you know, so definitely movement. And sometimes that means taking a full on class and like just being focused or being on my mat and just being extremely present and allowing the breath to move me and all of that. And sometimes I'm like, I have 20 minutes and that's all I have. And I just need to like move. So I just put on the radio, maybe like move to reggaeton and just do some yoga to that. So definitely movement is, yeah. I want to say, the biggest um, part of the recipe. Um, finding time to connect with people that I care about, like my soul family, definitely part of the recipe. Yeah. Um, because sometimes, listen, I'm at home with my kids since March, and I'm losing my mind. <laughs> listen, not a mother. I don't, I would, I'm losing I completely my mind. So I'm like, that. I need to talk to somebody, and if that means that you're going to be by yourself for the next hour because I need to disconnect from you, then I need to go take care of myself. So just keeping that circle around, you know, like keeping contact with that circle, um, finding moments in my day for myself, like a bath, you know, meditation, a little bit of journaling. Um, and then definitely connecting with my husband, right? Because he is super busy. I'm not as busy because I'm still doing a lot of things from home. Mm-hmm. So it's a different type. It's a different type of busy. Yeah, it's yeah. a different type of busy, but just still connecting. So I, I think that is really my recipe, just movement, staying connected with my soul family, and then interacting with my partner. How did you find that those are the things that you needed to maintain your well-being at this mm-hmm. point? Um, I think it's just looking back and realizing when I found joy. You know, like, what is it that I was doing that made me happy or brought joy to me? And I was able to pinpoint that it was drawing those moments, you know, where it was like, okay, I need some time to to move for myself to to this music, you know, that brought me happiness. I think it was just being able to turn everything off and being there and being present in that moment. Same thing with yoga. Same thing when I'm around people that I really care about and then I know that we're not here talking about bullshit only, you know. So just those things I felt like brought me joy. So I was like, well, if this brings me joy, I need to do more of it whenever I can to keep myself sane. Yeah, absolutely. Like having that awareness. This is what feels good. This is what serves me. Let me continue to do it, even though 
it might be a little bit harder. I might have, I might need to focus on it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I might need to make more time to do it. Right. Um, let's talk about the inverse of that, if you're okay with that. What was Carrie's life like when you weren't as mindful of that? Um, definitely, you feel bogged. I felt bogged down and stressed and very like um, like very ir- irritable, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it was just indulging in the urgency culture, you know, like this this need to be available to everyone and everything um, at all times. Yes. When it's like, you know what, if I don't get to this text, it's okay. This person's not going to die, you know. There's no, like, emergency that needs my attention at this very moment. Mm-hmm. So, but I think we're in this culture where we feel like that need to always be available to everyone and everything, right? It's like the sense of urgency. I have to respond right away. I have to call right away. I have to get to these emails right away. Like, listen, it's okay. Nothing is going to, you know, stop work functioning if you take it a little bit slower to, get, to respond to. Yeah. So it's like I felt like I couldn't breathe sometimes, you know, because you're, like, you're wrapped up into this, like, thing. Mm-hmm. So. It just I, I didn't like feeling that way, and I think that being able to like te- take a step back and breathe and just like realize that I can get back to certain things when it's feasible to me. Yeah, that's where I'm at now. Yeah, so that's it feels different, you know. I totally, totally understand that, and like as you as you said, urgency culture. I wrote that down because like it gave me a um like a, a memory of. Um, I remember being a kid in elementary school and I thought, I just need time to stop. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember being less than or younger than 10 years old, feeling that like, go, 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 mm-hmm. go, go. And knowing somewhere in my soul, like in my heart, like I need to, I need to pause. And I didn't, you know, you don't have the vocabulary for that. But now I understand that even then, I recognized that there is all of these things that were happening mm-hmm. in my life um, and happening around me. And even as a child, I was like, I just need time to stop yeah. a little bit. To it, turn it off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that it wasn't time that needed to stop. It was me mm-hmm. that needed to stop. And obviously, I didn't have control of that because I was, you know, yeah. a fucking child. But now as an adult, I I relish in those moments mm-hmm. to where like, you feel like I got to do this, I got to do that, and I feel like I'm running around. I need to answer this email. This person's, you know, waiting for me, or I feel like this person's waiting for me, mm-hmm. but they're, they're not. not. They're living their own <laughs> yes. life because for some reason, I feel like they're they're staring at their screen like, waiting for me. Responded, you know. <laughs> well, I remember it's funny. Something came up that you and I. I remember us going to like lunch. This was like back in the day. Like I don't know, we had class together, we trained or whatever. We had so many lunches. Yes, I know, I, just, right? I know. That time in our life was beautiful. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I remember we were either having lunch or coming back from lunch. And I remember telling you, you know what I realized, Asada, that it's okay to be home and not feel like I always have to be on the go. You know, mm. it's okay. It's okay for me to like sit in my house and be with my kids and be with my family and maybe not do anything, you know, because I felt like, okay, I have to be at the studio. I have to go do this. I have to go do that. I have to go pick this up. I have to do the groceries. I have to make this appointment. I have to do that. And it's yes. like, you're always on the go. And let me tell you, when you're in that state and you live in Florida and you're on I-4, it fucking sucks. It's like road rage, you know? Yes. So I remember telling you, it's okay to be home. It's okay. And I feel like that's just kind of part of it. Do you, do you think that somehow we picked up that message as like, you know, women, we have to do it all because we can have it all, like that type of thing. Yeah. 
Um, I think that definitely influences, especially, you know, we're both Latinas, right? Mm -hmm. And I just remember my mom, she worked a full-time job and then she came home and she was in the kitchen all the time and she was like laundry day and cleaning day. And luckily she had a support system to help um, with my brother and I, like somebody to take us to school and pick us up from school. But I just remember her always being and going. And, you know, you, you learn that. You you Im- know, yeah, we, you, we, we emulate yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Because that's what we think is expected. And it is what's expected, but it's like not what you have to do. Yeah. You know? And it, at least for me, I know my mom was trying to like set me up like I, th- I think I've told you this before and listeners I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before mom if you're listening I love you no shade as always but you know it's the truth it's it's the caveat you know I feel like I say that on every episode <laughs> mom I love you no shade <laughs> um I remember uh growing up especially in Puerto Rico we'd get up in the morning because my, my mom was a school teacher so we'd have to get up at five so because she had to be at work early right mm-hmm. And I'm a kid and I remember being tired and she would be like, come on, get up. You only have to do this for 12 more years and then you get to work for 30 something more years and then you get to retire and then you die. It's great. Why am I a little bit depressed now? Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. exactly why. But I understand that she was saying it, one, in a a little bit in jest, but also she's trying to to set me up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like this is the expectation. This is what you're gonna have to do mm-hmm. and it comes from a place of love but also like it's a little bit misguided because their life isn't our life right you know our circumstances are totally different mm-hmm. than our mother's yes. so we here we are trying to emulate them but our like our real life circumstances are a little bit right. different and maybe we don't have to be always on the go simply because of the, the circumstances in our life and you your know? awareness too it's I, yes i think i awareness, read yeah. something or i heard something last over the weekend or like recently last week and it was targeted to women and i know that you know not to just like single out women or whatever but yeah. obviously i'm a woman you're a woman so it's easy for, for us to maybe relate to this yeah. but it's like, i'm sure men experience this too or non-gendered yeah. people or but what i again read or heard was that for example a lot of women and I include myself in this, we don't get to ourself and that might be a creative outlet or whatever that may be until everything else is taken care of. Mm. And so the mm. house is not like, I can't sit and do yoga, right? Until the house is clean. Oh, okay. Like if I see dishes in the sink, I can't do yoga. Like that's like, that's crazy. And that's you know? the antithesis of like exactly doing yoga. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and that's just an example. It could be anything, you know, mm-hmm. like I can't go take a, a calm bath until the whole house is clean the kids have done what they need to do and then sometimes you never get to that because the house is never always clean and the kids always got something to do so then it's like what happens you end up putting yourself off you're like putting yourself to the side and then you don't get to do your self-care right yeah because everything else needs to be tended to so it's like it's very similar to just again that same old urgency culture right it's like it's the same thing yeah at some point we just have to let the dishes be in the in the sink. We yeah. have to let the, you know, the kids do whatever it is that children do. I mean, <laughs> God, I can only imagine. Um, but yeah, that I that is such a hard, that's such a hard thing from my perspective. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine how that is as a mother because 
there's such a that that it's your responsibility right. even though they have an active father and they're you know you're right. not a single mother but it's still okay. almost okay. on your mm-hmm. like it's on your hands mm-hmm. that's hard that's yeah. difficult especially because yeah. they're home all the time now but yeah 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 no kidding <laughs> so it's even more imperative that yes. you take care of yourself yeah. now yeah. yeah wow that's awesome I love I love that you're in that point where you have that clarity because even though your kids are driving you crazy right now they're gonna see that and yeah. they're gonna see how much right how many times you say listen you might have this what you believe is urgent you know um but this is what's actually urgent and right. when they become adult women they can right. they can emulate that mm-hmm. and that's that's beautiful yeah that's, that's really goal, good right that's yes that's the hope <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. I think so. Put it out there. Yeah. Um, Okay. So let's talk about, because I know that like the starting point for Mm -hmm. all of this is pole and movement. Let's talk about pole. How did you discover pole and how did you find that deepening your pole practice helped you evolve? Um, I found pole, I want to say it was late 2011, beginning of 2012. And I was drawn to it because it was challenging. Mm -hmm. You know, in the beginning, like for me, I didn't really see the dancey part of it. To me, I was like, oh, I want to do these tricks. I want to like use my strength and like build strength and whatever. And to see myself building the strength and actually being able to do some of this stuff was really cool. But then through the years, like I started connecting myself to the dance of it and like slowing down and not being so trick focused. And that's when it really hit home for me because being raised in a very conservative household, like sensuality and sexuality was something that was frowned upon um in my house right it was like you wait until you get married like you know you couldn't see anything on tv and then all of a sudden you'll know how to do everything right exactly like how it does was that even make sense you know who, it's who knows i think for, they for, did the best they, they can did the best they, they could <laughs> and for me i think it was definitely cultural it yes. was um religion it was you know very traditional upbringing um so it was frowned upon it was never talked about right so I never explored my sensuality or sexuality on my own for a long time. You know, yeah. even in my marriage, even in my relationships, it was something that I never really owned it. Yeah. Right. Um, but through pole, I guess that I just slowly just started to evolve into, you know, this sensual, sexual person um, because the mo- the movement um, gave space for that for me. Yeah. You know, because people take certain parts of it, whether it's fitness or oh, dance absolutely. or whatever. For me, that's what I honed into because I think that that's what I needed. Yeah. Because that's the part that um, I needed to develop, right? Like connecting to my, you know, sensuality, sexuality, like I've said, it really opened up a lot for me as a woman and being more self-confident, being able to speak for myself in a way that I wasn't able to before, definitely being able to connect more with my partner. Yeah. And then I think even being able to stand more proudly as a woman being able to do so in front of my children because I have two girls. So that's mm-hmm. something that I really honor about the practice that as I've evolved, I know that they were probably too little to notice anything because they were a lot younger, but I'm giving them a different example that was given to me. And um, that's something that I'm really proud of, yeah. you know, just for them to be able to hone into themselves as women and sensual beings and later on, or even now as sexual beings, I'm happy that I'm able to give space for that yeah. through this who would have thought, right, by taking a pole class and, you know. I, I, was, I was just doing an interview on Friday and they, the 
host, she was asking me, you know, if you're feeling comfortable talking about pole dancing, absolutely, let's talk about it because it it has truly changed my life. And I feel the same way in the sense that it wasn't, for me, it wasn't the the dance part Mm -hmm. of it. For me, it was the strength. Like I was like, holy shit! I yeah, am you're a, strong. You're I'm a, strong. And I didn't. That's the, I did not know that about myself because I'm I'm a small person. So there's a lot. Um, I think that uh, I get over. I feel. I don't know because you know nobody has actually ever told me I overlook you because you're small, black, and pretty. But that's what I feel mm. sometimes. So when I realized that I have this strength. Mm-hmm holy fuck and that like people admired that yes i always have (laughs) like that was it's it's very you're right it's very Mm self-fulfilling and you feel like oh this is something that i'm learning about myself and what other where where Mm -hmm. else in life am i strong at where else can i um exhibit the strength and how is this going to if i allow it to how is how is it going to change my life right and that like pole is so amazing because yeah. you come you come for you know a sexy lap dance class and you come out like a goddess yeah. in like all these different ways and yeah. what I love about it is that different women pull different things mm-hmm. out of it but either way like it affects right. our lives absolutely from yeah I think like the self-confidence definitely was something because I remember like in the beginning when I started doing like more of the dancey stuff, it was like okay, I couldn't see, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror, mm-hmm. okay, because you know obviously you're and you're in a dance studio, so most of them have wall to wall mirrors, so I was like I don't want to look at myself, but it gets to the point where I'm like, hold on, this shit looks good, you know, on me, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm, like, yeah, I'm you know amazing, <laughs> so it's just like again, it's just like the self confidence that I got from that. Um, I don't know if I would have gotten it from something else, yeah, you know, and I'm happy that it was. Part of my, it is part of my journey. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so continuing with that journey, I know that um, back to what I was saying, the pole gave me the strength to um, see what else mm-hmm. I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And for a while, I had the desire to do yoga. Like I had the desire to do yoga before I started pole. But I didn't see myself in the space. Mm-hmm. So for a while, I was like, oh, you know, yoga's for, you know, thin white women. But when I found that confidence from pole, it gave me the strength to actually, like, come down mm-hmm. to the ground and, like, do yoga. And then that's, you know, that's where everything kind of took off. Like, I felt the strength from pole, but then that kind of, like, the emotional ahas that you might have found from like the from dancing pole I found in the in yoga in movement because my pole da- my pole was very active it was yes. flippy it was strong yes. it was I didn't really settle into the the central mm-hmm. movement until I was teaching you know and then I was like okay fine I'm doing it it's fine I it's remember. fine it's fine I'll put on heels it's fine <laughs> but when I moved into yoga it was it was so like I don't know. That's what clicked for me. How did you find that your pole practice informed or influenced your mm-hmm. yoga practice? Got to a point where when I was um, doing like I guess free dancing, which is basically like just dancing for myself, yeah. like really just kind of uh, moved to the music, and it it served as a healing mechanism for me because sometimes whatever it was that day or week, right? Like if I was angry, if I was sad if I was happy, whatever it was, I moved accordingly to those feelings, yes. right? The music played a, t- a part of it, all of that. And it felt like it was, 
evolving into maybe something spiritual for me and something that, um, again, was healing my soul, right? Yeah. And I wanted to dive deeper. And yoga just seemed like that's where I needed to be. Like, I always felt like I would end up doing yoga, um, maybe someday teaching it. I don't know. You know, know. <laughs> you always said that. Yeah. You always said that. Yeah. Even before you were Even like... before I did yoga. You were like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to do it, just not right now. Yeah. I and would. I was just like, girl, when? Come. Come down. Join us. <laughs> We're having fun. And you're like, no, I'm not here. Not yet. Not yet. I'm not ready. Well, because for me. Isn't that it? You just weren't ready ready there. No. Because for me, it's become like my church. Mm -hmm. Right? And I wasn't ready to go to church yet. I wasn't. I was still a heathen on the the outside. Listeners, I just threw up my hands like I was in church because that was a word. Yes. That was a word. That to me, you know, like. In the beginning, that's really how I saw the yoga, the yoga or yoga, right? And I still see it that way, but now it's a little bit more lighthearted. In the beginning, it was just like, I'm here. I'm just going to breathe through the movement. I'm just going to be a meditative practice. I'm not going to engage in any humor or whatever. I'm just here for this, right? And now it's like, okay, I'm in my church and I also want to enjoy it and, you know, laugh at the, the the funny things that might be happening in the room or like the joke yeah. that the teacher might say whatever so it's it's a little bit more relaxed but I think it's that I needed to go through that like um committed church phase or like really spiritual phase first indoctrination right? yes yeah. yes uh-huh. um so that I could get to where I'm at so when you started to do yoga how did it feel knowing that this practice might surpass your pole practice in the sense that it serves your your well-being in the beginning i didn't know exactly how to take it because i was like no like i'm gonna continue to pull like this is what i want to do i'm not not gonna stop pole dancing (laughs) right but in the same breath i was like okay this is a complement to it so they're working together it's a there it's a functioning relationship and it's working well together so i'm going to continue to do it um but I think that, I don't know if surpassed or they replaced, but for me, yoga was, it's it's a personal internal journey, right? Mm-hmm. Where for me, pole was becoming something more external because I was performing, right? I got to the point where I was doing competitions and performing, and I'm basically putting myself on display, right? To show people, look what I can do or what I've learned. Where for yoga, listen, I might post a little something of yoga but my practice is my practice right and it's from me so I think that is why it's serving more of a purpose for me at this point as far as my spiritual journey yeah um I still enjoy pole and I still do it but this feels more sacred to me yeah so that makes complete sense because sometimes when you for pole it starts off as yours Mm -hmm. but then there's something about it that you kind of want to show off yeah you want to showcase what you've learned yeah and how you can string these things together and how you can like move to the music whatever it is yeah but then somewhere along the line it you know if you only do it for performances it stops becoming yours right and becomes right the audiences yeah but i love that we're able to find something that is still our own right so would you say that your yoga practice and deepening your practice has informed this transition that you're going through right now? I say yes. Um, what's interesting, so this is interesting, right, that you bring that up, because when I was deep into the yoga teacher training, um, the way that I moved through pole changed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I did it, I think, on a conscious level because I felt like I needed to be, and I'm going to contradict myself, but I'm going to lay, lay out why. Yeah, okay? you're a human. That's cool. Um, I felt like I needed to be more reserved with myself or with what I presented to people through my movement because I was tapping into more sensual, sexual movement mm-hmm. like when I, before I started doing yoga, right, when I was still heavily, heavily into the pole. And I enjoyed it. But I still felt a little weird, and I think it's because of all the stuff my mom told me when I was a little kid, and what society tells it's the you. Inner, right? It's the inner yeah, critic, that for inner sure. Voice, yeah. And when I was deep into the yoga, I was like, "Wait a minute! If I'm, if this to me didn't feel sacred, like sharing this in this way didn't feel sacred, and I wanted to honor myself and hold on to what I felt was sacred. It's like I still wanted a pole, but I." Um, became a little more conservative with what I shared at Mm. least now I feel like I'm on a different cusp and this is why I say I may be contradicting myself because I want to get back into sharing a little bit more or just expressing myself a little bit more um, sensually because I want to tap into my um, sacral chakra more right now Um, because I feel like I need to I feel like um, it's not as open or as balanced as it needs to be. And I feel that pole is something that helps me tap into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's that I need to go back to moving a little bit more sensually. So I guess I need to find a balance where I, I'm okay with being sexually expressive through pole, but still holding on to the sacredness of yoga, right? Yeah. Um, and I need to figure that out. Well, I don't need to. I think I'll, I will figure it out as I like move through both practices. Yeah, yeah. I want to continue talking about your transition. Let's enlighten the listeners on what you're currently going through right now. So yeah. you are the former owner of Lotus Fitness Studio. Mm-hmm. You have in the beginning beginning of 2020 and every like you decided to permanently close mm-hmm. well let's let's back up a little bit actually mm-hmm. because there was that kind of stirring before that so mm-hmm. take me on a journey okay so the journey right um lotus started in 2012 uh, and it officially closed in may of 2020 we were forced to close the studio because of the pandemic right okay. And for me, it was an opportunity to sit with myself and really come to terms with the fact that I wasn't happy anymore operating Lotus. For whatever, like there was multiple reasons. I think like what we said, just like this urgency culture, like this need to appease the students, the teachers, the, you know, build the business, market the business. It was when you have your own business, anyone who's an entrepreneur, there's like never an off button, right? It's always, always on. Even though that I would say myself on Sundays, I'm not going to do anything for the studio. And I didn't. But it's still in the back of my mind. Like, okay, tomorrow I need to do this. Or I wonder what's going on with this. Or if somebody's using the studio that, you know, like it was always there. So even though I might not physically be participating in anything for the studio, it was in yeah. my mind. So it was still active. Yeah. Um, so after eight years of that, I was just fucking tired. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you're also, you're also a mother of two growing yeah. girls. Yes. You're also a wife yeah. who, and like... You, yeah, my husband and I share other businesses together. Yeah, so it's not like Lotus was the only no. thing that you had on your plate. Right. I feel right. like that needs to be said. Yeah, right. I mean, like, I might not be physically in the shop doing things with him, but we're a partnership. So if there's things that I um, can do for him at the house, then like, I'm going to do it because this is our bread and butter, and I'm right. also an owner of that business. 
anyway, so at, at the end or like in the beginning of the pandemic, when we were forced to close, it was kind of like a blessing in disguise for me because mm-hmm. I was like, OK, we have this break. I don't have to worry about anything. I was like fucking happy, you know, I was like, actually oh, happy. That the universe could, is giving yes, me that break. Here's my break. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the longer I sat with that break, I was like, this feels really good. And I remember meeting um, with Josie, who was my studio manager at that point. And we met and we were like coming up with a plan to reopen because there was like rumors that certain things were going to start opening. And it was just like a waiting game. Like, when can gyms open? Right. And so we came up with a plan like, okay, this is going to be like our um, Corona like protocols or COVID protocols. We're going to reduce our classes by this. This is what we're going to do. And I went home and I was like, fuck, I don't really want to open. Like, I really don't. And I called her the next day and I was like, Josie, I don't want to open. I don't. And she was like, what? No, no, not even a little bit. I was like, no, this is my truth. I do not want to open. And I called. Like, honestly, it just. Yeah. I called uh, most of the teachers and I told them individually, hey, you know, this is what I'm going to send out an email. Don't be alarmed by this email. I want to touch base with you first. And I think that the people that were closest to me um, already knew that it was coming because I would talk to them about my back and forthness with the studio a year or two before that. But I just kept holding on, Mm -hmm. you know. So we're moving into a collective space and it's called flow space orlando i do have a partner now and it's josie who used to be my studio manager and i told her if i open this and you come on board i'm doing it with the condition that you're going to help me take on the responsibility because i don't want to fall back into what i felt when i owned lotus asking for help yes um for sure asking for help and the idea of the collective is that we are not going to occupy the space full time like we did with lotus so instead of operating six seven days out of the week we're going to operate three to four days out of the week and then rent the space for the other three to four days out of the week for other yoga teachers pole dancers dance teachers whatever kind of movement instructor fitness instructor you are Mm -hmm. if you need a space to run a class but you don't want the overhead of a full studio you can come in say hey i need this many hours this day that day maybe just to do a workshop a weekly situation, whatever it is. So now we're sharing the space. Yeah. Um, so that's where we're moving into. And we're getting pretty close to opening. It's just fine-tuning certain things. So how did it feel when you said out loud, like the permanent, permanent, I don't want to open? It felt really good. Yeah. Because I was honoring my truth and I had been ignoring it for a long time. <laughs> yes. Is it fair to say that you were stuck in a, a people-pleasing Yes, absolutely. Mode? Like you want, you yeah. were afraid mm-hmm. to disappoint people. Yeah. I felt like I needed to open out of obligation. How did it feel to receive that backlash? Because there were some people that mm-hmm. were upset about it mm-hmm. because they felt that you, they, they thought you owed them. But really, you did not, you do not owe anybody anything. No. And Well, I felt like what I owed was just the, out of respect to just share with you guys, hey, this is not working and I'm not moving forward. Right. That is what and I don't, I don't owe anybody any money, so let's just leave it at that. Exa- anyway. Um. No, it, exactly that. Exactly yes. that. So how did it feel when you received that backlash? What was that like knowing yeah. that um, some people had to be mad? Yeah. Did it feel like like your kids were pissed and you're just like, you know what, it it's a part of life? Um, in the beginning, to be honest, because I was still kind of like, okay, I have, I should have, I, sh- I need to appease these people. I felt a little like overwhelmed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, the emails kept coming in, the social media messages kept coming in, the text messages kept coming in, the rumors kept coming in. 
And I was like, fuck this shit. I'm going to turn all the shit off. Yeah. And I was like, took down the website, took down the, you know, which took down the email, which took down the, took down the social media, just turned off my phone. And I went to the beach. <laughs> so that's what you did I just totally, for your well-being. Yeah, totally disconnect from all of it because at the end of the day, it was my business my studio, my building, and I was like, I'm fucking done with it, and I don't need to keep it for anybody. Yes. I love that journey for you. (laughs) Okay, so then my third question about that decision, what did it feel like when you were in that transition of, I know I don't want to keep Lotus open, but I don't know exactly what I want to do with this space. What Mm -hmm. did that feel like, and how did you kind of maintain your well-being and not get stuck in the regret. Mm-hmm. Like how did you not, you know, get pulled right back into shoot, I don't know what I'm I don't know what I'm going to do next. Let me just run back to what I was right. doing before cuz that's that um, a lot of people have that reaction when making a new big change. Mm-hmm. It's scary. You don't know. Yeah, you go back to what you know. Yeah, right? because you don't. You're not exactly too sure what that next ledge right. is going to lead you to. So let me just go back to the devil mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. What did you do, and um, how did you maintain? I kept like trying to go back and forth, like what would make sense, and knowing that I wanted my own business because I still wanted my own business because given the opportunity, if I don't have to work for somebody else, I don't want to. Amen, girl. So I was like, okay, I still have this space. So why not? try to utilize it because I still want, I need to do something. I want to do something. And just like, I guess, bouncing the ideas off of what I call my soul family, people Mm -hmm. who I really value their input, who I'm not going to allow them to like tell me what to do, but who I know they're going to hold space for me, listen to what I'm saying, and maybe just allow me to like clear my, my thoughts, my whatever. And really just conversating with them and be like, Hey, what do you guys think about this? And what I really appreciate about those people in my soul circle is that they always said, do what feels right for you. You know, they will hold space and listen, mm-hmm. but it's always like, do what feels right for you. It's never like, yeah, do this because. So they're just holding my best interests, and this is why I value them. So I definitely did that, just like bouncing off ideas with them. Um, does that make sense? No, it makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like we just need to hear our 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 ideas out loud yes you know and that's why when you're able to speak to people that you entrust you can hear them Mm -hmm. and maybe make a a decision based on what you heard yeah I'm really glad that you have those people Mm -hmm. they held that space because ultimately that's what allowed flow space to come into fruition So we're moving, you know, forward with it. And this time around, I was on the phone with a a very, very good friend of mine. I feel like she's like my, she's one of my soulmates for sure. Um, I was talking to her about this the other day. And I was like, you know, I feel good about this because I'm not rushing it. You know, I don't have like a, an agenda. Like I know that I wanted to feel, I wanted to evolve organically. I want to get the right people in there, not rush people in there, not rush classes in there, not rush workshops in there. And if it doesn't feel right for the space, because I want it to be a wellness, holistic place, right? If it doesn't feel right for the space, then I'm going to just bypass it, yeah. you know, and not feel this obligation. Like, let's just bring them in to fill classes, to do this, to, to do that, to get our name out. No, if it doesn't feel right, then right. It's not. I'm not going to welcome you into my space. Yeah. No, that's, that's really powerful, too, to be able to just continuously align with your higher purpose like without having to worry about you know numbers and you know keeping people happy okay so what has it been like transitioning from 
the head to giving away a little bit of control and like letting Josie step up a little mm-hmm. bit and um, maybe considering ideas that you didn't want to consider before. What is what has that been like? Because there's one part of transitioning that's the empowering and the the um, going forth uh, to new things, but then you also have to leave behind mm-hmm. things. You have to say goodbye to things. It's um, sometimes you're grieving the life that you had or an idea that you thought you were gonna have. Right. What's that been like? It's a learning curve. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I never really sought advice from other Well, I did sometimes seek advice from other people, for sure. But it wasn't something that I like really needed to listen to if I didn't want to. But now, because this is somebody who's my partner and I value them as a person, and this is why you know they are my yeah. partner, um, it's a learning curve, right? Because now it's like, okay, now what do you think we should do? And maybe doing things not the way that I would have done them and allowing her ideas to come in. Um, definitely, I do enjoy seeing her take a sense of ownership um, with what she's handling right now. Because she used to do things like that before as a studio manager, but I can see how there's more, like that sense of ownership feels different, you know, and she's more engaged and involved with it because yeah. now it's also part of her business, you know. Yeah. So it's cool to see it and... Um, it, for me, it's because it's so new to her, it's super exciting. But because I've been down this road before, it's not as exciting. So it's like, I'm like, okay, girl, it's okay, you know. But I'm giving her that opportunity to live it, you know, like yeah. that first love kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, so. got it. You got to let her have the puppy love. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. for sure. In the moment of struggle, what do you do to stay in that space of optimism mm-hmm. and not detriment? Keep reminding myself that I wanted a partner because I wanted help with the workload. And right now the workload isn't that heavy because we're still not open. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know that it will become more to carry. And I am honoring the fact that she's here as my partner. And I know that I'm I'm grateful for it now. And I know that I'm going to be grateful for it down the road. So that's what I remind myself. That it's like I wanted a partner because... I want things to be a little bit easier down the road. So that means that I have to deal with the situation that's in front of me, whatever that might look like. It's that compromise, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's good to to keep in the forefront of your your brain when you're like, oh, shit, this is... Maybe it'd be easier to do it myself. Do it myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I won't... I wonder, was there a moment of like grieving the life that you had and kind of grieving what you thought it was going to be? I honestly, what I grieved about the life that I had were the interactions, right? With certain people that I really cared about and valued um, and that of instructor, staff, students. Um, definitely missing that, the social aspect of it, mm-hmm. but that's it. Um as far as like present, I don't think I have, we haven't had to deal with anything yet because mm-hmm. like I said, we're not open and we're really taking our time to open. So I haven't been presented with any like difficult situations in the yeah. new space yet. And maybe even if you did, maybe because you um, went into this like with an open heart and you took your time, maybe it isn't like 
a grieving process because right. you didn't have a solid, right. you know, yeah. idea of what flow space is going to be. Right. Exactly. It's definitely going to evolve as we yeah. open and things start kind of like moving organically. Um, I think with the first studio, I remember like creating these timelines like I need to open on this day and let me tell you I didn't have my license that day you know and I was like shit I already like sent out emails and we're promoting that this is happening so I had to like figure out how to like backtrack it so what I had to do was like offer free classes because if I'm not charging then I'm not really like operating a business right so we're just testing the waters so just like stuff like that that's why I've been asked when are you guys gonna open like I don't know Mm. (laughs) and I don't want to put that um timeline on myself because Honestly, I still have to, we still have to go downtown and get our license. So yeah. I don't have a license yet. So it's like, I don't know when I'm going to open. You know, I still need to get my insurance. We're still working on our website. So it's going to happen in early 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's almost like you've, you've skipped like the those stages of grief because you're already at the acceptance that flow space is going to be completely different than right. what Lotus was. And it's going to be something unnamed right so we're just going to accept that it's going to be something unnamed and right. or not unnamed undefined yes undefined i mean it's going to be different because it's a collective and um i want the energy to be different but yes yeah. we are going to have similar classes yeah. right like we're still going to have pole and lira and hammock we're introducing yoga yeah um and then later on we'll see what else we could introduce i think undefined was the wrong word like because you know exactly what fl- what you want flow space to be a collective mm-hmm. but um what it looks like and who's in it it's, and the class fluid the yeah. fluid yeah mm-hmm. that's such a better word mm-hmm. that's awesome so how does it do you feel more at peace do you feel settled in that decision and how has that how has that affected your home and your family um i in the beginning i'll be honest i wasn't settled or at peace with it because mm. um i knew that i wanted to do something what i wanted to do was something on a smaller scale You've seen the space is a huge space. I wanted something more manageable. And as as far as my home, a lot of what I'm doing, I'm working from home. So it hasn't really impacted my my, my home life yet. Mm-hmm. When I have to start leaving the house, we'll see how it evolves. But I think it's going to be good because the kids need a break as much as I need a break. Right. And obviously my husband is still going to work. So we'll we'll see what happens when we open. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, sure it'll I'm sure it'll, you know, some things will like get thrown into the the mix that'll be interesting on the on the flip side when um i feel like since we're talking about flow space and how it's affecting your home and that this transition how was it beforehand because when you were living in that urgency culture when you Mm. were you know feeling like you had to satisfy everybody how did that affect your home life how did that affect your um you know your parenting how did it affect your marriage if you're Mm -hmm, comfortable mm -hmm. sharing yeah um there was definitely added stress you know, mm-hmm. because like I remember like we would open at five. Right. And I always wanted it, whether it's me, whoever it was, I wanted that person to be there at four to give us an hour to tidy up the studio. So that when people started coming into the door, you don't have those distractions and you can be more present. So it was definitely, you know, I was the one or I still, well, the kids are at home now, but I was always the one to pick up the kids from school. Yeah. You know, so on the rare occasion that I had to leave earlier or couldn't, I would ask for help, but it was normally me like 90% of the time. Yeah. So definitely, cause I was like, I'm in the car line, like this shit fucking sucks. Like, why do I have to be here for an hour to get these kids from school? And then I get them in the car and they're like, ah, you know, going on about whatever, usually like bickering between each other. And then I have to like quickly drop them off. 
to get to the studio. So yeah, it was like I'm stressful thinking about. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. So and again, it was just work, right? That was just my work. Um, But it, it, we say it's just work, but it's so it. Our occupational health is such a big part of our lives, and it. You know, we can't pretend that it right. doesn't bleed into other parts yeah. of our lives, especially as entrepreneurs, as business yes. owners. It 100% affects Absolutely. how I move and, yeah. you know, my energy that I bring mm-hmm. into. Yeah. And I think for for me, like the one thing that was always added stress was the fact that the studio, even though we had morning classes, the studio operated the most in the evening, right? Because people go to work. Yeah. So that's when we were our busiest. And I was only there one to two nights a week. I was mostly there in the morning. Um, so, like, I wasn't there at the busiest time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like it because I wanted to be there to oversee what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but my calling was to my kids, you know, so I had to be home with them. So even though I'm home, I'm still not fully present because I'm thinking about, I'm checking, did everybody get checked in? Um, you know, are the emails being answered? Are the phone calls getting answered? Are the teachers on time? You know, are the students, right. you know, okay in the classes? I'm sure you were getting phone calls at some I would, point. Yeah, phone yeah. calls, texts. I mean, it got to the point where I was like, okay, if it's not an emergency, we always have like a daily email, put it in the email. Right. But there's still things that they, they ask, right? People would ask. And it's just part of the job, mm-hmm. right? And that's the part that I don't miss and the part that I guess added the stress because even though I wasn't physically there, I still had to have like, I felt like I still needed to be present at my house and at the studio, you know, and available to whoever was working on the other side of the phone. So yeah. they called or texted. And I didn't like that, God. to be honest. Yeah, that's, I mean, no, who would? Yeah. Who would? Because you're, you, 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 there isn't an opportunity for you to be fully present. Right. And then also, you're not able to turn it off. You mm-hmm. have to turn it off. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to turn off the work brain. And, yeah. You and know. I couldn't turn it off until... I knew that I got that text message, oh, ADT alarm were set. So I knew that everyone was out of the building. Mm-hmm. And by now, it's like 8.30, 9 o'clock. So that's like a long day, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely, yes, I wasn't as present as I would have liked to be. Like to the point where even if I was going to take a yoga class, I'm like, hey, I'm going into yoga, you know. Don't, I'm not available for the next hour. I would always text text my desk person. Mm-hmm. So they were calling. This is why I'm not answering, right. you know. And that was the first thing I did when I got in the car, checked to make sure no one called me from work. Right after, so, right after right Shavasana. after Shavasana. Yeah, yeah. yeah Jump right back in, you uh-huh, know? <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah, wow. That is a lot. And I'm glad that, the, I'm glad that that's not your, that's not your now. Right. I'm glad that that's not your current situation. Right. And that what you're, what you're transitioning into is giving you more room, especially right. with a partner, with Josie. Yeah. You're going to have that opportunity to turn it off. Right. Um, your beautiful daughters are at an age They're now. They're older where, now, yes. Yeah, and they, they understand. They even, you know, some, I'm sure they may not love it all the time, but they understand that mom needs her time. Right. Um, and like I was saying before, they're going to see that, mm-hmm. and then hopefully they'll be able to emulate that when they become, you know. If they choose to have kids. If they <laughs> choose to have kids, if they choose to marry, just even as an adult, like even if they're single you know, single adult people, they're going to need to turn, at some point, learn to turn things off and yeah. focus on themselves or else um, you'll end up in a recovery program like <laughs> other people. And if you know, if you are, that's totally fine because I'm fine. Everyone's fine. We are fine. Yes. We learn to reparent and we move on. We move on, yeah. Yeah. My next question is going to be, 
what or who is in your support systems and how did you discover that those elements are what Mm -hmm. you needed well we talked about some of the what's right the yoga the pole just um having time with people that i really value and care about Mm -hmm. um having time for myself like that self-care where I can just kind of unplug from everyone and just be on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but just going back to the who, I definitely have a very tight-knit circle of friends. Mm-hmm. And my husband is part of that, like, soul family. And, you know, my brother, believe it or not, I call every now and then. And if I need to cry on the phone, he's like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. But he, he holds space for me. So it's just a, a few amount of people that I hold dear to me. And... I know that I can call these people anytime and they have answered the phone and they're there, you know, and they have proven themselves and not that they need to prove themselves, but just like because of their actions, it just, they just have, they have proven themselves, um, part of my family. That's beautiful. I love that. How did you find, um, that those particular people are what you needed? Did you, um, kind of rotate people in and out of the circle before you realized, oh no, 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 these are this is my yeah. circle. Well, one of them has been in my life for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And she and I just just had like a friendship. Like we got along off the back. And I really valued her as um, a, a, a female friend. And over like just time, like we had kids around the same time and whatever. Like we disconnected, reconnected, disconnected, reconnected. But I feel like more like more recently, like we've reconnected and it's funny because one time she, I told her, I was like, you know, it feels like I haven't, like I've been talking to you this whole time and I haven't talked to you for like five years, whatever, right. you know. I don't really know how many years, but it could have been four or five years. And she looked at me and she was like, we are soul sisters, Carrie. Yeah. And it just like really hit home. And I was like, okay, this is now why I labeled certainly these people like my soul family because it goes beyond just like friendship, right? Mm-hmm. It's people who have seen me at my absolute worst who I've been able to cry to mm-hmm. and who who haven't turned their back on me. Yes. To talk shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is why I hold them where I hold them. You yeah. Know, because, um, and let me tell you, sometimes I'm really fucking moody and I've been moody around them and they still don't turn their back on me. Yeah. You know, like they hold me for who I am, how I am, all my imperfections and they hold my fucking darkest secrets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, you That's, know? That's awesome. That's yeah. beautiful. Yay, support systems. Yes, I'm, for sure. Absolutely needed right now. Yeah. Like always, but. Yeah, and understanding that lifetime friendships mm-hmm. aren't um, necessarily the people that I'm going to call all the time. Like the life, lifetime friendship, I may not do like trash TV Tuesdays, you know. We may not do watch parties or whatever, but this is a person that I can call when shit hits the fan or they right. can call me or even when we're not in distress, we can just pick up the phone and have a real conversation. Yeah, That's um, that's so important. Mm-hmm. So important to have and so important to recognize. Yes. Okay, so the next segment that we are going to talk about is the best breakup. It's my favorite thing to talk about because I have had a bunch of breakups as far as like ideas mm-hmm. um, with platonic friendships. Um, and I find that they, they teach you a lot. Um, so what about you? What is your best breakup? Hmm. Honestly, I don't know if I have a person because my circle has always been small. I learned at a very young, well, luckily I learned 
in my 20s because my husband said, stop sharing all your fucking business to shut my mouth because I would just feel the need to tell everyone everything. That was just the way I was. That's how you well, know it gives too, them, right? Well, the thing is that it gives people power over, a sense of power over you because they know things about your life that really is not their business, you know, but you feel the need to run your mouth because it's like, hey, isn't this what you do with friends? Um, so I guess like, breakups with people have been very limited i think just breaking up with the idea of um seeking um what's the word i don't know validation for things you know mm. like out, out yeah outside validation, validation. Yes. it's like breaking up with that idea you know and just like knowing that what i do for myself is in my best interest for myself and i don't need to um seek anyone else's validation you know yeah um, to me that's been so like um life-changing you know and like just taking so much weight off of me um and I feel like I move in peace more peacefully now because it's like I don't really care you know yeah and not to like not to be an <laughs> asshole or, or anything like it's not to, like oh it's not that attitude like oh I don't care what they think it's just I don't care because this is my life you know and just taking ownership of that so I think that's been the best breakup just that outside validation from yeah. people who are not really important in my life. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Carrie, thank you, you did so it. much. You did it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your journey with me and with the listeners. Thanks for having I me. I love you so much. I love you too. Mm. So proud of you. Thank Asada. you. All right. Well, I will talk to you soon. Yes. All right. Bye. All right. Wellness Warriors, that's all I have for you today. I'll be back soon with a mini solo sode. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you loved it, rate it and leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. If you're listening on the Spotify app, share this podcast to your stories. Let other people know that you're a fan. Another way to support the show is to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We're at What Makes Me Well. And you can follow me at, at a.joneswellness. You can also visit my website, asadajones.com. And while you're there, sign up for my monthly newsletter. When you do, you get a free digital download that can provide you with clarity on which of your pillars may need some extra attention. All right, wellness warriors, until next time, be brave, be light, be well.